from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. 
He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the powers of darkness trampling every one of them beneath your feet for here is what the Lord has spoken to me because you loved me delighted in me and have been loyal to my name I will greatly protect you I will answer your cry for help every time you pray and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble I will deliver you and bring you honor I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect? us. God said Good evening. Welcome to Victory Christian Fellowship. We're glad to have you here tonight for our Wednesday night refreshing service. And if you're watching online, connecting with us, we just say welcome to you and hello to you. Oh, Father, we give you thanks and praise for the plans that you have for us. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us, but to give us an expected end. And Lord, we just thank you that we're walking in your plans and we're receiving the goodness of your hand and we give you glory and honor and praise in your holy name. Welcome here, Holy Spirit. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Let's stand up. We're going to celebrate our freedom in Jesus. Jesus. 
I've given you everything that you need to win every battle to overcome every challenge, to defeat every enemy. I'm giving you my word, my promise, my covenant, my truth. It has been forever settled in heaven. It will not change, and it'll work for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Don't they do a great job? Hallelujah. Dr. Fiona and Josiah are enjoying some time in Tulsa. They're preparing the way for us. And uh, so they're there. They, they're, they're spending some extra time um, with Gabriel. Because he'll be uh, busy next week, and so uh, they're doing that. And, um, you know, we serve a good God. Uh, I just want to give a testimony. Um, Earlier this week, uh, Gabriel's car was stolen. And uh, they took his key. He he had lost his key somehow, um, either doing the laundry or something. And so when he went to go look for his car, it wasn't there. And so... um, we act, we went into warfare, amen? And, uh, on Monday night, the car was returned, and now we're still uh, waiting for the keys to come back and for the, the person who took it to be exposed. Yes. So, uh, God is good, amen? Yes. And, uh, when things come up, you know, He has solutions that'll cause you to overcome. So, uh, faith in God always works. And, uh, we're grateful. 
for the protection of God. And um, so the the vehicle has been rekeyed today, and then uh, they're getting the the button thing, the fob. They're sending that uh, to them. So uh, praise God. Amen. And then uh, next week we won't have a Wednesday night refreshing service because uh, 16 of us will be in Tulsa. So I'd, I'd encourage you, starting Sunday night, um, to watch Rama online. That's when the camp meeting officially starts, and then the rest of us will be there on Monday. And then uh, Kelsey, she'll be attending school, so this is her last service here at VCF. And uh, we prayed for her on Sunday. So if you get a chance, uh, just give her a good word tonight, and uh, you can... Uh, which are where they're going to be uh, driving down. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And uh, as always, you know, we have an opportunity to invest in the kingdom of God. And uh, as we give, you know, God receives it. He makes it grow and he multiplies it. You know, uh, a little boy had the privilege of feeding thousands of people because he gave what he had, put it into the hands of the master. And when Jesus got a hold of the bread and fish... And he, he looked to God and he, he, he said, thank you, Lord. And uh, it was in the thanksgiving that God multiplied and they started serving the food. And they didn't, Jesus didn't limit what the people could eat. He didn't say, oh, like, only take a little, you know, a little dabble, do you? Uh, no, they, the people could have as much as they wanted. And the fish and the loaves, they just kept scooping them out. Dishing them out, right? And everybody ate until they were full, right? They had to loosen their tunics and whatever. And uh, then on top of that, everybody say on top of that, there were 12 baskets of fragment left over. So the little boy brought a lunch and he came home with 12 baskets. So, uh, amen. That's what God will do to your seed too. So we appreciate your faithfulness and giving, Father. We just speak a blessing over the gifts and the givers. And we thank you, Lord, that your word works. Your kingdom is in operation. And we give you all the glory and all the praise for a great and an abundant return to them in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to dismiss our wonderful kids tonight. We are so grateful for our teachers and our kids. We want them to have a great time tonight experiencing God. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, we have incredible power at our fingertips. And, you know, uh, we walk around, so to speak, with a nuclear football. But it's not nuclear, it's supernatural. And we can release that power anytime that we need to in the name of Jesus. And I want you to go to First uh, Timothy chapter 6. I want to talk to you briefly tonight about releasing the power of God's word. Releasing the power of God's word. For all of those uh, that drive, you've got power at your fingertips. 
Right? And all you got to do to release that power is make sure that no one's in front of you. Right? And you just, you have to press that gas pedal and you'll go, right? And as long as you're pressing that gas pedal, your your speed will increase, right? Because there's power in your engine to move forward. And we as believers in Christ Jesus, we have power. The power is in the word of God. And the way we release it is with our mouth. Your mouth, in essence, is the gas pedal. Or if you like to shoot, your mouth is the trigger. Amen? And the Bible is the firm foundation by which we operate from. And uh, it never wavers. It never changes. We've got, see, I've got power at my fingertips. Amen? You know, the Bible says in Romans ten seventeen, it says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, you know, the power uh, is the same. The faith comes by hearing, but that doesn't tell us how to release it. Right? We release it through speaking it. Amen? All right, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter six and uh, verse 12. And it says this, fight the good fight of faith. Did you know that when you accepted the Lord Jesus, you got involved in a fight? You became a fighter. But you became a fighter with an arsenal. You became a fighter with weapons. You became a fighter with power. You know, a fighter needs power. Why? You need to knock your opponent out. And that takes power. Okay? So, he said, fight the what kind of fight? What kind of fight? The good fight. Everybody say, good fight. When you signed up, to, to be a Christian, you sign up for a good fight. That means the fight has already been fixed in your favor. Okay? You, in other words, when you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, you became destined to win every time. You became a winner. You became a champion. You became victorious. You became triumphant. Hallelujah. Okay, so fight the good fight of faith. There are two ways... That the Bible tells us to fight the fight of faith. He gives it to us right here. First one is, lay hold on eternal life. In other words, you've got to take possession of eternal life. Has eternal life been given to the world? Yes, eternal life has been given, right? What do you do with a gift? Receive it, right? You either receive it or reject it. That's the only thing you can do with a gift, right? But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, and whosoever believes, whosoever receives, will have everlasting life. Okay? So, if you want to fight this fight, you've got to lay hold on eternal life. Then secondly, the second way to fight is... 
you know, there's a little word there called and. It's a conjunction. And has professed a, a, a what? A good confession or good profession before many witnesses. You've got to use your mouth to release the power that God's given you. Amen? We have the ability to release the power of God. All right? I want you to go to Romans chapter 1 for a moment. I'm going to let you know what it means to confess and to lay hold. But I want you to look at Romans 1 for a minute. And I want you to look at verse 16. Prior to knowing Jesus, Paul was an opponent of Christianity. He was an enemy of Christianity, wasn't he? He had rights from the church, from the synagogue, from the religious Jewish leaders to go in and to uh, bring people who were believers in Christ to prison, to see them persecuted, to see them beaten, and even killed. Right? He, Paul was the one that held the coach who stoned Stephen. Okay? But, but while Paul was going to persecute, he had an impromptu meeting. The one he was persecuting, Jesus, came on the road to Damascus and said, Paul, Paul, why are you kicking against the pricks? Why are you persecuting me? And he said, oh, my Lord. Right? And he saw a light. He heard the voice. He saw Jesus. Right? And after his meeting with Jesus, he was blind for three days. So he was led by the hand into Damascus. He had three days to contemplate whether or not he was going to accept the terms of salvation. Okay? And while he was praying and meditating, God was speaking to Ananias. And and he came in and, you know, God told him, I want you to go to Paul. And he says, isn't he a terrorist? And he said, yeah, but he's a chosen vessel unto me. Right? And so Ananias went in and said, Brother Saul laid his hands on him. The scales fell off. He got filled with the Holy Ghost and he got baptized in water. So Paul was born again. Now Paul became a fighter. Now he became actively involved in, he wasn't opposing Christianity. He was promoting Christianity. And he got a hold of something. Look at verse 16, Romans 1. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. At one time he was because he wanted to stop it, but now he's not ashamed. When he met Jesus and he got born again, he, he became unashamed of the what? What was he unashamed of? The gospel. What is the gospel according to Paul? It is the power of God unto salvation. Hallelujah. The gospel, the word of God, the message of Jesus, the message of his kingdom. It is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. Right? So Paul, instead of persecuting, he went around proclaiming, preaching, teaching. He was an apostle. He went to this place, never heard the gospel before. He would preach the gospel. People would believe he would build a church. Then 
He would move on. He'd put a pastor there. He'd move on to another place where the gospel wasn't heard. He'd preach the good news of Jesus. People would believe it. They would get born again. He'd build a church. Then he'd move on to the next place. He understood that the gospel has power under salvation. And he was releasing the power of God by preaching and teaching. Amen? Now, I want you to go to 1 Kings chapter 1. 1 Kings chapter 1. And I want you to go to chapter, I'm sorry, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. See, when we see people like Paul and like this other guy, Elijah, that we're going to look at, they release the power of God through words. How did God make the world? He could have made the world any way that he wanted to, right? But he chose to make the world by saying, light be. Was there light before he spoke? There was what? What was covering the earth? Darkness, okay? So God wanted to change the situation. He wanted to change the circumstance. He wanted to change the environment. So what did he do? He said something. He released power in his words when he said, light be. When he said, light be, the Holy Ghost that was hovering began to take action. And things began to change. Things that weren't there began to be. He released power when he spoke. Because he's almighty, right? And guess what? We're created in his image and in his likeness. That means if we're in, in, in his image and in his likeness, we can operate and function like he did. Amen? So, let's look at Elijah for a moment. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Elijah the Tishbite. I still haven't gotten a revelation of what a Tishbite is. He was of the inhabitants of Gilead. He said unto Ahab. Now, at the time, Ahab was the king of Israel. He was, the king, he was considered a wicked king. The Bible describes Ahab as one of the most wicked kings up to that point. Okay? Although he was, he was king, he was uh, king of the ten tribes of Israel, but Israel was the wicked part, Judah was the righteous part. Judah had two tribes, Israel had ten. Uh, anyway, so he is, what, what is he doing to Ahab? What did he do to Ahab? He said, everybody say he said. Okay, what did he say? As the Lord God of Israel lives. He's about to say something that is in a direct word from the word of God. He's about to make a statement that is from the word and it's about to have, he's about to release some power in what he says. Okay? As the Lord God of Israel lives. Before whom I stand. In other words, Elijah was saying, I'm here because of the Lord God and I'm, I'm, I'm serving Him. I'm, I'm, I'm in the capacity of representing Him. Okay? There shall not be dew or rain these years, but according to what? My word. 
Wait a minute. Elijah, who do you think you are? Thinking that you're going to just stop the rain. Do you think Elijah just picked that out of the air? See, if you're going to release power out of your mouth, you're going to have to be rooted on a firm foundation. And the only firm foundation that we can be rooted on is the word of God, because the word of God created this world. And the word of God has sustained the world it created. And it's not even sweating. Amen? God's not going, whoo, that day's over. No. When he spoke, he released so much power that creation took place. And, you know, God set up things where he didn't have to keep creating them. He made seeds. And he implemented a seed plan where he didn't have to keep creating trees. He knew that trees would create trees out of the seeds. And animals would create animals out of the seed. Hallelujah. Humans would create humans out of the seed. He didn't have to keep creating people. Once he created them, they could recreate. Because he put that ability in them. That's power. Okay? What gave Elijah the power to shut up rain? Who does he think he is? Right? Well, he had scriptural evidence. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Elijah just didn't pull this out of the air. It was written. And Elijah was simply speaking what was written. Elijah had a relationship with God. And God said, I want you to go stand before heaven. I want you to say this. Why? What was Elijah? What was he? What what position did he hold? He was a prophet. What do prophets do? They speak on behalf of God. Right? These are people who did not have the Spirit of God in them. They had the Spirit of God on them to function in certain positions. Okay? If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 11, I want you to look at verse 1. It says, therefore, you shall love the Lord your God. That's taking hold of salvation. How many love the Lord their God? Hallelujah. Man, when you love Jesus, you're in a relationship with him. Amen. You shall love the Lord your God. Keep his charge. Everybody say keep his charge. And his statutes and his judgments and his commandments, that's the word, isn't it? We're supposed to keep them. Say, I'm supposed to keep them. Say, I'm supposed to do them. That's the source of my power. Okay, come on, that's the source of my power. Okay? So, um, go down to verse 16. Verse 16. Well, go go to, go to verse 13 first. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 13. And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto your feelings. No? And it shall come to pass, if you hearken diligently unto the opinions of others. No, it doesn't say that. All right. It shall come to pass if you hearken diligently unto my commandments. 
How many know that we got to hearken, we got to listen diligently to what God is saying? Why? Because he's the source of authority and power. If we are disconnected from the word, we are disconnected from the power. Because the Holy Spirit authored the book and he's in complete and full agreement with the Bible. Okay? All right? Verse 14, notice the condition. If, everybody say if. You know, God's promises are conditional. If you do this, he'll do that. But if you don't do this, he's not obligated to do that. Okay? If you hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in its due season, the first rain... And the latter rain that you may gather in the corn and the wine and the oil. And I will send grass in your fields for your cattle that you may eat and be full. Okay? If we, if we hearken diligent, if we listen to God's word and obey him and serve him, he's going to give us rain, right? Is that a promise of God? Yes, that's a promise of God. Okay? But now look at this. Look at verse 16. Take heed to yourselves. That your heart be not deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven, that there be no, what? Rain. And that the land yield not her fruit lest you perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord your God gives you. Go back to 1 Kings 17. Okay? So, uh, Elijah had scriptural reference to shut up the heavens of rain based on Deuteronomy 11. He was speaking what the Word said. Say he was speaking what the Word said. All right. Um, go to First uh, Kings chapter sixteen, verse thirty. First Kings chapter sixteen, verse thirty. And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were with him. Say he did evil. He did evil according to who? According to the Lord, in the Lord's sight. What was the evil that Ahab did? He was married to a woman named Jezebel. Jezebel hosted false prophets at the king's table in the king's palace. She fed them. She fellowshiped with them. They had access to the king, access to the throne. Prophets of Baal, 450 of them. False prophets who led Israel into idolatry. She encouraged idol worship. And Ahab, who was the king, went along with it. And God is a jealous God. So here you have a king. He's running the kingdom of of the ten tribes, and he's doing evil in the sight of the Lord, right? 
And uh, kind of like today, there's a lot of prophets of Baal in places where they shouldn't be. And because the people in power are entertaining them, they're listening to them, they're heeding their voice. And they're, they're led into false idolatry. Climate change is, an, is idol worship. I believe in a meltdown. God's going to melt this earth. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Amen? But there's a lot of people that are putting the planet above God. That's false worship. That's idolatry. This is happening today. So God sends a man who is anointed by the Holy Spirit. And he speaks a word to the person who's in charge, Ahab. And he said, it's not going to rain except at my word. And he had scriptural evidence to do that. Okay? All right, go back to 1 Kings 17 now. Hallelujah. So, he stands before the king and he delivers the message. Right? Now look at verse 3. Or I mean verse 2. First uh, Kings chapter 17 verse 2. And the word of the Lord came to him. What? Saying. Ever say the word of God speaks to me. Jesus is the word, isn't he? And doesn't he talk to you? And the primary way that he speaks to us is the word of God. If you want to hear God's voice clearly, know the word. And if you want to know the word, you've got to study the word. And if, you gotta, if you're going to study the word, you've got to read the word. Amen? You should be reading the word every day. Right? If it's a chapter a day, a little bit of a day. It does, you, know, you decide how much you want to read, but you should be reading the word every day. Because that's how God, that's just the primary way that God communicates to us. He speaks the language of his word. So if you want to know God, you got to know the word. So the word of the Lord came unto Elijah saying, you know, we got to live by the word. The word of God, what did the word say to Elijah? Verse 3. Get you, get you from here and turn eastward. And hide yourself by the brook Cherith, that is before the Jordan, and it shall be that you shall drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you. What did, how did God tell the ravens? He told, did ravens listen to the word of the Lord? Yes, and they're not from Baltimore. These are birds. They're ravens. They're considered unclean. He said, I have commanded ravens to feed you. To bring you meat and bread in the morning, meat and bread in the evening. The ravens were the first DoorDash. If you know what DoorDash is. Or Uber Eats. Right? God set up Uber Eats for his prophet who spoke his word. See, when you live by the word, you're going to speak the word. The word will provide for you. The word will direct you. The word will sustain you. The word will deliver you. And the word will keep you. We have got to be people of the word to operate in the authority and the power of the word. So Elijah... 
He speaks this. And for three and a half years, there wasn't a drop of rain that fell in this area. Until the Lord said, go appear before Ahab. Hallelujah. But it was the word of God that gave Elijah the power to withhold rain from an area because of the sin that was taking place. He released the power of the Lord through his words. Now get this, go to James 5. Go to James 5. My goodness, I might not even get to the message tonight. This is just the intro. Oh my goodness. I only got two points, but I got seven pages. (laughs) Welcome to the life of a teacher. I come armed with more notes than I can communicate in the time that I have. All right? Go to James chapter 5, verse 17. What, what testament is James in? The New Testament, okay. Elijah was a man. Say Elijah was a man. Notice, subject to like passions as we are. Elijah was just like me. Elijah was just like you. If he could do it, we could do it. If he could release power from his words, then we release power from our words. He was just like us. Hallelujah. He might have dressed different, but he, he, he was just like us in nature. He was just like us. He functioned just like we do when it comes to God. All right? He prayed earnestly. Plus, he, he, he also uh, declared, amen? How many know sometimes you, you can pray for things, but then sometimes you got to say things? Okay? Some people are saying, well, they're, they're, they're wanting something from God. They say, well, I've been praying about that. I've been praying about that. Well, sometimes after your prayer is done, you got to start declaring. I mean, if you're constantly praying for something over and over and over and over and over again, God's not deaf. Right? God's not going to say, well, can you repeat that? No. Okay? So, and it rained not on the earth by space of three years and six months, and he prayed again. He turned the spigot off with his words, and he turned the spigot on with his words. Everybody say he prayed again. Yeah, that's, that, and, and, and the Bible records while he was praying, he, he sent his servant, he said, what do you see? He said, I don't see anything. Then he prayed seven times. And then he said, I see a cloud like a man's hand. And then it began to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then he got anointed and he ran faster than the chariots. Seven miles, he beat, he beat Ahab there to Jezreel. He prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. Why? Because the prophets of Baal were defeated. Sin was wiped out. Hallelujah. Ahab was no longer in control. And even the dogs licked Jezebel's uh, blood. So God, God did away with the evil. So now he could bring the rain. Hallelujah. But the spigot was turned off with words. The spigot was turned on with words. 
He prayed again and the heaven gave rain. The heaven gave rain. So in other words, heaven was waiting for what Elijah had to say. And Elijah was directed by the word to say when he needed, what he needed to say. Amen? And the earth brought forth her fruit. Whoo, glory to God. All right? So, we need to become skillful in releasing the power that we have access to with our words. If you're going to release power, you can't agree with the negative. You can't talk your circumstance. You have got to speak what the word of God says. Confess, the word confession actually means to speak the same thing. Speak the same thing. Okay? So, oh my goodness. All right. Let me just, to take hold of something means to possess it. It means to lay hold of it. It means to seize it. Right? Anything with the hands, we can take possession of it. How many know that we got to possess God's promises? When God told Israel, I've given you the land of Canaan as your inheritance, was it automatically theirs? They had the right to it, but then what did they have to do to possess it? They had to lay hold of it. Joshua had to go in, right? He had to defeat this king, that king, this king, that kingdom, that kingdom over there, that king. All right, 33 of them. And he took all their kingdoms, all their lands, all the villages, right? All the spoils. And he, then that, that became Israel's property. And then he divided that land into the inheritance among the 12 tribes, right? Each, each tribe got the land allotted to them. But they had to go, God said it's yours, but they had to go in and take it. God may say that healing is yours, but you've got to come in and take it. Amen. You've got to receive it. You've got to, you've got to lay hold on to it and say, this is mine. I'm taking this. And God says, go ahead. I've already given it to you. Amen. How many are ready to lay hold of some things tonight? You're ready to lay hold of your dreams. You're ready to lay hold of your destiny. You're ready to lay hold of your assignment, of your calling. Amen. Hallelujah. We're ready to lay hold of some things. We got to lay hold of some things. They're there before us. We've got the power. We just got to go get it. It's already there. It's already been made available to us. So he said, lay hold. So we need to lay hold of instruction. We need to lay hold of the anointing. We need to lay hold of the voice of God. We need to lay hold of his promises. Amen? So then the second thing is that we're supposed to confess a good confession or profession before many witnesses. When, when you are confident in the power of God, you're not ashamed to tell the story. When, when you're confident in the power of God, you're not afraid of who, t- who hears you say the word. Amen? You become bold. You, you become uh, loud. You become 
uh, straightforward. Okay? So what's a good confession? A good confession is speaking something good, positive, and truthful. Where would we find something that's good, positive, and truthful? The B-I-B-L-E. Right? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. Taste and see that God is good. Amen. God is good. His word is good. His word is truthful. Amen. So if you're going to make a good confession, you've got to speak something that's good. Everybody say good, positive, and truthful. That's a good confession. You're not going to win with a bad confession. You're going to win with a good confession. So you got to say what the Father said. You got to say what the Father wrote. Because what he wrote in the book stands forever. Settled. Doesn't need upgrade. Doesn't need change. It's good. It was good when he said it. It was good millennials later. And it's still good. A good confession has to be based on God's word. It's not based on feelings. Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. As human beings, it's easy to speak our feelings. Because we have them. Right? How many has feelings? Right? Because when someone hurts your feelings, you get bent out of shape. Right? But we have to override our feelings, override our emotions. We have to look past the circumstances and we have to speak the word of God. A good confession is based on solid evidence. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. How do you know that your healing exists? What? Because he said so. That is the only, say, the, the Bible should be the only evidence that you need. If you're going to present a case in court, you're going to present scriptures. You've got a book of testimonies. Let me, t- let me, let me bring Paul as a testimony. Let me bring Esther as a testimony. Let me bring Daniel as a testimony. Let me bring Joseph as a testimony. Let me bring Peter as a testimony. Let me bring Rahab as a testimony. Let me bring Mary Magdalene as a testimony. You got a book of people who have testified to the goodness of God. These are the things that we bring to the argument. This is the only evidence that we need. So a good confession has to be based on solid evidence. What kind of foundation do we have? Is it a shaky foundation? Firm foundation, right? Jesus is a rocker. He's the rock of our salvation, right? He, he, He likes to rock. And he's not going to go anywhere. He's not going to move. Jesus was so confident that when people threatened to kill him, he didn't even bat an eye. He just, he kept talking and walking and that was it. Right? And they tried to kill him many times. Unsuccessfully. Because he had to lay down his life. Okay? A good confession can be declared. How many know we got to make some declarations? When America wrote the Declaration of Independence, were they silent about it? 
Were they looking at the British? If you only knew what I was thinking. If they hadn't been, if they would have been silent about their intentions, would it have occurred? No. Not only did they write their intentions, they said their intentions. They made a declaration. What do you put at the end of a declaration? An exclamation point. Hallelujah. It's a, it's a period with excitement. Glory to God. We gotta make some declarations. Okay? Go to Matthew chapter 8. Alright? Matthew chapter 8. You know, when God speaks something, He fully intends that what He said is going to come to pass. Okay? Matthew chapter 8. And we know from the life of Jesus, Jesus, uh, He spoke to the devil to resist temptation. Right? He didn't resist temptation silently. He said, it is written. He spoke what was written. He declared the word of God. And the word of God was his defense, okay? Um, he, uh, he spoke to fig trees. He spoke to the wind. He spoke to the waves. He spoke to a dead man. He spoke to lame men. He spoke to blind men. Right? He spoke to sicknesses. All right? Go. Before you get to Matthew, go to Matthew 4 for a minute. Matthew 4. No, no uh, I'm sorry. Um, go to Matthew chapter 8. Look at verse 1. Matthew 8, verse 1. When Jesus was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him. Okay, what did the leper do? The leper came to him and the leper worshipped him. If you come to Jesus and worship him, would you have his attention? Absolutely. Why? He loves when you worship him. Amen? So, the leper got audience with Jesus through worship. He said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and said nothing. No? Jesus said something. Why? Because the touch alone... He, he can release power in his touch too, but he needed to say something too. He was touching him because the leper didn't doubt his ability, but what the leper wondered about was his willingness. So he touched him. People don't touch lepers in that day. It's contagious, right? They got to be quarantined, right? You don't want to get this leprosy. So Jesus, I mean, Jesus touched him. Why? He knew the life in him was greater than the leprosy. He touched him and he said, I will. Then notice the next phrase is a command. Be clean. And what happened? 
The leprosy heard the word of the Lord. Power was released in what Jesus said because the word was talking to the leprosy. Jesus was the word, but he also was a man who spoke the word. He said, be clean. And immediately... The leprosy was cleansed. Power was released in his words. He didn't pray for him. He spoke. He touched him. What happens when you lay hands on the sick? They shall recover. What happens when you speak the word? Power goes out of your mouth. Say, when I speak the word, power goes out of my mouth. Say, when I speak the word of God... I'm a power releaser. Because we've got the power at our fingertips. God wants us to do what Jesus did. He wants us to do what the prophets did. He wants us to speak the word of God to handle life situations. Because that's what the Bible was born for. Okay? So Jesus told him, to tell no man, go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift to Mo- that Moses commanded for a testimony. And uh, so um, now there came a centurion to Jesus. Okay? And uh, look at verse 6. And the centurion said, Lord, my servant is at home sick of the palsy, Grievously tormented. Is the centurion a covenant holder? Not that we know of. He's not a Jew. Right? He is a soldier. He is a centurion. He is a Roman soldier. Because Rome was in charge. They were in power at the time. Okay? So, he came to Jesus... And he told him the problem. And Jesus said what? What did Jesus say? I will come and heal him. Jesus set the atmosphere with his power. I will come and heal him. The centurion didn't even ask him to come. He just told him what the problem was. But Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. Okay? And we know the story. The centurion said, I'm not worried that you should come over to my house. But only what? Only what should you do? Speak the what? The centurion understood that when the word is spoken, it has power and authority to do what it needs to accomplish. He understood that whatever is said, whenever the word of God is spoken, it will do what it was said to do. Only speak the word. Jesus said he recognized this as the highest form of faith. When you just rely completely and totally on the word and nothing else. Can the word sustain you? Absolutely. It is a parachute that will always open. It is a life preserver that will always keep you above water. 
It is a food maker when you're hungry. It is a water maker when you're thirsty. It is a keeper when you're walking through the wilderness. It is a protector of enemies and animals and things against you. It is the key to every prison. It is a prison opener. Hallelujah. It is a demon defeater. Hallelujah. The Bible said Jesus cast out demons with a word. He would say, come out, and the demon had to come out. He would say, hold your peace, and the demon couldn't talk anymore. He did it through the word. How are we going to do it? Through the word. The same way that Jesus did it. Amen? He spoke the word. Jesus said, I've not seen such great faith in all of Israel. Just relying on the power of the word is great faith. He didn't, the, the, the centurion didn't need any other evidence. He didn't need any other proof. He didn't need any other, uh, any other word but the word spoken. Speak the word and my servant shall be. He relied in the spoken word as enough power to solve his problem. And when Jesus spoke the word, his servant was healed. Amen? He released the power. Jesus said, in verse 13, Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. As you have believed, be it done unto you. You have got to believe that when you speak the word, it's going to do what you said it to do. Amen? When you speak healing over your body, healing is coming to your body. It's moving, on, it's moving in your direction. Amen? When you speak the word of God, You get the benefits of the word. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me tonight? Okay. All right. Go to verse 15. My goodness. Peter, Peter's mother-in-law had a fever. He touched her hand. Who touched her hand? Jesus. Who's Jesus? Oh, my goodness. Just a touch from the word makes fevers run. Hallelujah. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto them. Didn't need any more time of recovery. All Jesus did. Why? Because there's a scripture that says, everybody hold up your hands. See, I can lay these hands. On the sick, and they shall recover. So you've got to believe that when you get an opportunity to lay hands on someone who's sick, you've got to believe that that's another way to release power, because you've got power, because that's written in the Word. When you do what's written in the Word, you have the same power. When you say what's written in the Word, you have the same power. We've got power at our fingertips. We've got, oh my goodness. Storm ceasing power. Okay. All right. Verse 16. Matthew 8, verse 16. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. Everybody say devils. That's some serious torment going on. 
And he cast out the spirits with what? With his word. And healed all that were sick. He released the power of the word of God by saying the word. He cast the demons out with the word and he healed the sick with the word. Same power. You don't need a different type of power. Healing and demon possession are all solved by the word. Amen? We have power at our fingertips. Hallelujah. Are you excited that you have power at your fingertips? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Mm. My goodness. Did you know that God is waiting to hear you speak his word so that he can perform it? Jeremiah 1.12. He is wait, He's listening for you to speak his word so that he can perform it. Go to, go, oh, my goodness. Go, go to Mark 16. Go to Mark 16. Woo! Hallelujah. Mark 16. My goodness. Mark 16. Mm. Look at verse 20. Mark 16, verse 20. And they went forth. Who's they? That's the disciples. Who gave them the authority to go forth? Jesus. He gave them his name to use, right? Okay. They went forth and preached everywhere. What did they, they preached the word. Okay. And the Lord working with them. What was he confirming? And confirming what? The word with signs following. I'm telling you, when you operate according to the word, when you do what the word says, when you say what the word says, there is a power that is released that can change your circumstance. It can change your situation. It can change your physical condition. It can fill your pocketbook. It can make the devil flee. It can move mountains. It can calm storms. Hallelujah. It can raise dead people. It can change things in your path. Hallelujah. They went and preached the word and the Lord was confirming the word with signs following. God works with the word. He operates according to his own word. Hallelujah. And there's so many things that I didn't get to tell you. Let me just give you some things that you can declare. You have permission from the Bible to declare these things. Okay, we're not going to turn to these scriptures. I'm just going to list them to you. Genesis 27, 7, you can declare the blessing. You know how the blessing gets communicated? Words. <laughs> Did you know that if you don't speak words, the blessing stays with you? If a father wants to bless his children, he's got to use words. That's how the power is released. It'd be like trying to drive a car without keys. You need keys. To start the engine. Amen? But thank God, God's given us the keys to the kingdom. Who you got the keys to the kingdom. Oh my goodness, okay. Exodus 7-1, you can declare God's will and purpose. Deuteronomy 5-5, you can declare the word of the Lord. Uh, 1 Chronicles 16-24, you can declare his glory among the nations. Psalm 2-7, declare uh, the decree of the Lord. Psalm 9-11, declare the deeds of the Lord. Psalm 22-31, declare his righteousness. Psalm 9-11, or no, uh, Psalm 26-7, declare his wonders. 
Psalm 51.15, declare his praise. Psalm 71.18, declare his wonderful strength and power to this generation. Psalm 92.2, declare his loving kindness and faithfulness. Psalm 102, verse 21, declare the name of the Lord. Psalm 118.17, live and declare the works of the Lord. Isaiah 42.9, God declares new things before they occur. Acts 4.29, declare his message with confidence. Hebrews 2.12, declare his name. 1 John 2.2, declare eternal life. Say, I have been given permission. I'm authorized to speak and declare the word of God and release power to my situation when I need it. It's available. When I, when I need to use it, I just have to activate it. I've got the power, but I've got to release the power. Hallelujah. How many want to release the power? Amen. You speak the word. You do the word. You're in conjunction with the word. You're in agreement with the word. Now, you can't live against the word and have the power of it. Let me just read you this one scripture, and then I'm done. Uh, I think it's uh, Titus 2.12. Titus Well, it kind of is along those lines, but it's not the right one. But it says, Titus 2.12 says, Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldliness, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. If you're going to operate in the authority, you've got to live righteously, godly in this present world. Amen? God's given us the ability to live righteously in this world. But it's time to declare the power. Amen? If you're dealing with a physical ailment, we're going to declare the power of God over you. If you need help in, the, in a situation of life, we're going to declare the power of God over you. What's going to happen when the power of God is declared? Things are going to happen. Amen? Because when the word goes forth, things happen. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Glory to God. Say, Father, I receive... Every benefit, every promise, every good thing that you offer in your word. Your word is medicine and health to all my flesh. Your word is strength to my bones. Your word is direction for my life. Your word is encouragement to me. It lifts me up out of the miry clay. It places my feet on solid ground. It defeats every enemy all around. It's my victory banner over my life. I love the word of God. It is the final authority on every matter. That concerns me. 
I trust in the word. I believe the word. I receive the word. Right now, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, just begin to praise him. And if you, if you want prayer for anything, if you have an ailment in your body, and you